The Trevor J. Brown Show. The Trevor J. Brown Show is meant for an adult audience. An adult audience. The Trevor J. Brown Show may contain explicit language and topics. Explicit language and topics. Listener discretion is advised. This is the Trevor J. Brown Show. Be a part of the show and email us at inherentdream at yahoo.com. And now, your host, you guessed it, Trevor J. Brown. It's the show, it's my show, it's the Trevor J. Brown Show. Welcome in, thanks for tuning in this Friday evening. Be sure to join us in the conversation. You can find us at facebook.com backslash the Trevor J. Brown Show. We're also at facebook.com backslash Inherent Dream. Our website, inherentdream.com, and we'd love to hear from you. Email us anytime, inherentdream at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening. Our Friday evening shows are available on Spotify and the Spotify app. We're also available on Anchor, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts as well. We air our normal show on Fridays, 10 o'clock, but we also have a Saturday bonus content show slash segment. It's not a full show. It's not a full hour. It's just we do it on Saturdays. And it's available on the Spotify app only because we play some music. And one of the things that we're doing, last week we played some Minnesota tunes for you. We had music from Capital Sons and Benjamin Ray and Bob Dylan. Well, the other thing that we're doing is we are building a playlist of, in our opinion, the greatest and our most favorite songs of all time. We're starting with a thousand, then we'll do another thousand and another thousand. We got a long way to go. Um, by the end of the month, we'll be up to 37 songs here on our playlist. But tomorrow on the playlist, we are adding some classic country favorites to the playlist, including a tune from Jimmy Rogers, one from Hank Williams, and also one from Marty Robbins. And next week on the program, we will be adding three more songs to the playlist, including songs from Fats Domino, Ray Charles, and the Isley Brothers. So follow along on uh, on Spotify. Just search for The 1000 Songs by the Trevor J. Brown Show. You'll see the playlist there. So far, we have music on there from legitimately so many different genres, so many different feels on, uh, on, on the playlist. We have music from Bob Marley and the Wailers. We have U2, Prince, Marvin Gaye, Bruce Springsteen, Simon and Garfunkel, Four Tops, Patsy Cline, Tracy Chapman, Dolly Parton, The Beatles, The Beach Boys, and many, many more. Again, by the time we get to the end of the month here, we'll be up to 37 songs, about two and a half hours of music already. But again, we're striving for that number 1,000. We will not obviously get to it by the end of this first season. My hope is that we'll be north of 50 by the end of the first season, if not higher. But follow along, and if you have any recommendations of songs we should be adding, let us know. But again, this is, in our opinion, the greatest songs of all time, but also our favorite as well. There has to be some emotional connection for us to uh, to the song, so be sure to follow along. Um, next week on the program, I do want to tell you 
Uh, we believe that we will be joined in studio here by our good pal Isaac Jensen. We always talk a variety of different topics with Isaac. It's always fun having him on. And we believe that we will be joined by local Minnesota author Ashley LaRue next week. She has a couple of children's books out with a third book on the way coming out later this year. We had Ashley on the old program, Another Round, and uh, I thought it would be great to have her come on to this program and, and talk about her books and she is somebody that I went to high school with many, many, many years ago. So we look forward to hopefully having her next week. We are scheduled to speak with her next week. And of course, Isaac Jensen as well. So we're with you tonight and then we're with you next week as well. And then for the last Friday of the month, the 25th, we are off that week and then we return in April. So next week will be our winter finale for season one and then when we talk to you in april it will be our our spring premiere we sort of break everything down by um you know winter spring summer fall and uh, and we go from there so that is that last week we had capital suns on the program i had an interview with uh with some of the guys from the band and i want to thank them again so much fun having them on the program and then saturday we played a, a tune from them on our on our bonus content and the reason why i bring that up is it's great having different bands and authors and different guests on because then sometimes some people listen to the program that maybe normally don't listen to the program and then we get some new listeners along the way and the reason why i bring that up is because one if you tuned in last week specifically for that interview and you're checking us out this week i want to say thank you for that and giving us another chance I also saw many comments last week, at least two or three, via email or from people talking about the interview online, on Facebook, and in other places, people commenting about the show itself. And I'm glad that we spoke to, to you in a way, if, if we reached you in a certain way, where people were commenting on how they sort of enjoyed the, the independentness that's not a word, I know, but the independent nature and the independent vibe of this program. And I've, I've said from the very beginning days of the Another Round podcast years ago to now the Trevor J. Brown show that I will never tell you who to vote for. I myself lean probably more conservative, but with me leaning conservative, I voted for Barack Obama. I voted for Joe Biden. I, I won't I won't shy away from that. But in terms of, of a lot of things like maybe how I line up, maybe I line up a little bit more conservative. But if you wanted to vote for Trump, you go ahead, you vote for Trump. If you wanted to vote for Biden, you go ahead and vote for Biden. You want to vote third party, you do whatever you want to do. But what we do on this program is we don't endorse candidates. I don't tell you who to vote for. I'm not going to to cry if you voted for the other guy. I'm also somebody where I'm not somebody that is so gung-ho on always hearing like, well, uh, well, they have a different opinion than you, and, and you have to hear that. Like, okay, if it's a different opinion on like, okay, well, which Ghostbusters is better, Ghostbusters, the original, or Ghostbusters 2, we can have that conversation. But it's not a debate when we're talking about being a sexist or being a racist. Like if you're a racist, 
that's we don't have common ground here. It's as simple as that. If you're a racist, we we're not going to get along. If you're a Nazi, we're not going to get along. There's there's no me seeing your point of view. I see your point of view, and you're wrong. In in this day and age, in this in this culture, we're so quick for people to say, "Well, you have to hear somebody else out." No, I don't need to hear you out if 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 you're a racist. I don't need to hear you out if if you're a Nazi. We fought a world war against Nazis. Uh, we shouldn't have to do it again. We shouldn't have to do it here uh, in our country. But it was it was nice to see all of these different comments, and some were directed at us, and some were just people having conversations amongst themselves on social media, saying, "I really enjoyed sort of the the level headedness and and the." the independent nature of, of the program. So I, I hope that that sticks. Now, we do make fun of politicians. We make fun of people on the left. We make fun of people on the right. Former Governor Mark Dayton, we have a segment here, uh, the Moron Spotlight. I think Mark Dayton was in our Moron Spotlight segment probably the most amount of times. I mean, he was in, in the Moron Spotlight a lot. We've had Governor Walls in the Moron Spotlight. We have had Donald Trump in the Moron Spotlight. We've had Joe Biden in the Moron Spotlight. We've had Marjorie Taylor Greene in the Moron Spotlight. So it doesn't matter if you're Democrat. It doesn't matter if you're Republican. If you do dumb things and you say dumb things, we might we might honor you here. We might raise a frosty mug to you here on the program. And it's as simple as that. But I, I, I find it funny when people get so butthurt about... Well, they made fun of Trump, and now I'm not going to listen anymore. Oh, it's like, oh, you can't, you can't have a, a a differing thought come at you one way or another. Look, I can be open and clear to you. I voted for Barack Obama twice. I voted for Joe Biden. Do I think Joe Biden is doing a a bang up, phenomenal job? Absolutely not. There's plenty of problems in this country. But what does it tell you that so many million more people voted for for Joe Biden over Donald Trump based upon what? They didn't like Donald Trump. It's as simple as that. Oh, you said something negative about him. You know where the people on the right lose me and and the people on the left. This isn't just a right, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, a problem on the right. It's it's it's. It's hypocrites. It's it, it's it's the hypocrisy. Here here's the thing. Did you see this last week, where Joe uh, Joy Behar fell on the View when they were coming out? They were coming out. They were being introduced during the taping, and as she tried to get into her chair, she fell. And the minute that I saw this news clip, it was a news clip on Yahoo. The minute I saw this, I thought some some right-wing site is going to pick this up and they're going to run with it. And then you just go and you look at the comments. And of course, Breitbart, oh, big there's real news for you. They they picked up on it. You should just see the comments of these people and they were they were having a good laugh at Joy Behar. And she fell, she's fine, whatever. You can laugh at it if you want. But these are the same type of people where if Donald Trump did anything, where remember when Donald Trump like had to hold on to uh, to the military guy, <laughs> the soldier, walking down those those steps from some speech, and, oh because it was slippery. That's what the people on the right and his supporters constantly said because it was slippery, because it was uh, slippery and and he didn't want to fall, but he was walking like an old man. 
And people on the left made fun of Donald Trump for that. They thought that that was hilarious. But then the people on the right said, how dare you make fun of the president of the United States? Now, I know Joy Behar is not the president, but Joy Behar is not young either. And she fell. So it's just funny how, all right, you're, you're willing to make fun of one person because they're a different political affiliation than you. But then when your guy has to hold on to a, to a Marine walking down a ramp, now, now it's hands off. We can't talk about Trump and how he looks like a feeble old man. I mean, this is the thing. Why, why do we even have to go there in politics? Why, why do we need to say those things? Why do you need to feel the need? People on the left, why, do you, why did you feel the need for four years to attack Trump that way? And then the people on the right, why do you feel the need to talk about, about Joy Behar? Does that make you feel better? I, I don't quite get it myself. And, and as, as we continue to talk about it, I talk about it because, as I said last week on the program, I am not your news source. If you're coming to the Trevor J. Brown show, to get your fill of news for the week, that's like getting your news from The Daily Show. And I, I'm not even as good as The Daily Show, so please do better. If, if you if you want to get your news, please do not get it from some talking heads on a podcast. Don't get it from me. Don't get it from The Daily Show. Don't get it from Joe Rogan. Don't get it from uh, Rachel Maddow. Actually go and get news because there's actually news sources out there that don't really have opinion. They're just reporting on the news. One news source that has done a phenomenal job, a lot of them have on the the war in Ukraine, Sky News. Sky News is not biased. They have people reporting there. They're in harm's way. They're doing a phenomenal job. There's no bias there. Shut off the MSNBC and the talking heads. Shut off the Fox News. Shut off the Breitbart shut off state-sponsored OAN, and actually dig for news, because it's there if you want. It is there if you want it. It's there for the taking, my friend. Plenty more to come. We have the Moron Spotlight coming up. Also a double dip tonight in uh, Book Club. We haven't done Book Club for a couple weeks, and I have a couple books to recommend to you. That's all coming up tonight on the Trevor J. Brown Show. This is the Trevor J. Brown Show from Inherent Dream Production Company. I mentioned earlier how we pride ourselves on this program to being independent. We're not going to tell you who to vote for. I don't endorse candidates. I've had local people reach out to me in the past that I consider maybe not friends, but better than acquaintances. And they've said, hey, I'd love to come on the program. Would you consider endorsing me for uh, I'm running for mayor or I'm running for a city council seat? And I always say, I'd love to have you on the program but I'm not endorsing you. And then generally they don't come on the program or, or what have you. You'd be surprised at how many people, local politicians to major politicians that we've tried to get on the program and on the old show that just don't even respond to our messages. But being independent, I sort of, not to toot our own horn here, but pride we pride ourselves in being the the voice of, of reason, the voice of common sense, the voice of let's meet in the middle. And here's an example of this. One of the things that has been the huge news story the last couple of weeks is everything that's going on in Ukraine with Russia invading. And some people may be saying, you're not really talking a lot about it. Why is that? Well, the reason is, is that 
this show is not live. I record it. And in this ongoing situation, there's so many things that are changing second by second, minute by minute, day by day, that it's tough to give you a play-by-play of everything that just took place in the last hour or the last 12 hours or the last 24 hours because so many different things are changing. But what I will say about all of this is I don't understand who can support Russia at this point for their invasion going into the Ukraine. I don't give a rat's ass what their demands are or what they want NATO to be or not to be or that they want to have this glorified vision of reclaiming some glory that they think the USSR used to be. Um, at the end of the day, they invaded a country with, with, for no reason. And honestly, it irritates me when I keep hearing in the news about these, these negotiations between Ukraine and Russia what is there to negotiate? If I was Ukraine, I would honestly come out and say, here's the negotiation. Get the F out of our country. That's how this will end. Get out. We don't want you here. You have no jurisdiction to be here. That's that's what it comes down to. Russia has no right to be there at all. So that's that's my two cents on on everything going on even though we have some lawmakers here that are very pro-putin for whatever reason i sort of wonder out loud what vladimir putin and uh, the country of russia has on some of these people that you can openly come out and say that russia has any business being in ukraine again what evidence does what what, what does vladimir putin have on somebody like Marjorie Taylor Greene or for Donald Trump. Well, that's Those are things that I want to know. What do they have? What golden shower pictures are out there for, for you to have a stance like that? I'm just, I'm just curious. But the reason why I bring up being independent and a voice of reason is this. And this is, this is a call to, to the loony liberals on the way left and the hypocrites on the right that that constantly spew this bullshit that they're the party of small government yet they care about who you're sleeping with in your bedroom and they care about if you're gay and they care about if you get an abortion and and all of that stuff and i know those are all hard issues and those are things that we can talk about and and you can have a different stance on on whatever you want but it's tough for me to believe that you're the party of small uh, small government yet you care if somebody's gay you have a, a very big problem with that. And, and, and frankly, I, I don't quite understand how you expect to reach young and new voters by basically segregating people. Saying, that, eh, eh. That's basically the voice you get out of, out of uh, conservatives these days. It's the party of white old men and Marjorie Taylor Greene, who might be a man. I, I don't know. <laughs> The loony soccer moms, those are on the right. But the reason why I bring up being a voice of reason or, or independent is this, okay? Here's here's the example. I saw a, a a stat, and I might be a little bit off in this, but it's it's a lot. It's like the U.S. buys 600,000 barrels of oil 
per day from Russia. 600,000 barrels. So this tells me, and I'm not, I'm not a law guy. I, I'm not a, uh, economics guy. I didn't go to Harvard. I didn't get any, I, you know, I went to good old Zimmerman high school and, uh, I graduated from Brown college for radio broadcasting. That did me a lot of good. But the reason why I bring that up, I'm not, I, I don't have some big education, but 600,000 barrels of oil a day, common sense me says, okay, you're spending a lot of money so you can put whatever sanctions you want on Russia. Sanction them up. But when you're still spending that amount of money per day on Russian oil, and now this week it sounds like now we're not going to be buying oil from Russia anymore. That's besides the point. Let's just go with the 600,000 barrels a day, okay? You're still spending money. Russia's still getting money somehow because we're dependent on their oil. So here's how we, as Americans, have to have to solve this, okay? You people on the way left, here's, here's how we won't be reliant on foreign oil, Russian oil, any longer. Here's how we do it, okay? People on the way left, we need to be open to drilling. We need to be open to uncapping these reserves that we may have wherever and using it for us. And eventually it may run out. Eventually it might not. But if we have any oil that is here in America that we're not utilizing, we need to utilize it. And we need to use it for us. Okay, that's the message to the people on the way left. And we need to do that with being environmentally conscious. We can't just... We can't just... uh uncap these reserves and dig for oil and mess up the environment and mess up drinking water. I'm not, I'm not uh, encouraging that. But then you people on the way right. Your problem is you just want to drill. You want to dig for more oil. And then you sort of laugh at all of these other scientific things, these things we like to call inventions and progress you just sort of scoff at all of these different cool things that have come about and you just say, eh, no, we're not going to do it. We're, this, this, <laughs> Here's the problem with, with Republicans. Here's your problem. You are the party of this is how we've always done it. We've always relied on old white men. So now we're just going to do it this way. Well, that's the demographic is changing, my friend. You're not going to be able to rely on old white men much longer for the base of your party because if you don't start being more inclusive, you're going to have some problems. But you you people on the right, you scoff at solar, you scoff at, at wind, nuclear. You don't want to do any of these new cool things. And do, do, do wind and solar work wherever you put them? No, they don't always work in certain areas, but in the right setting, they work. Oh, it's very expensive. Oh, blah, blah, blah. It's always an excuse. But you have to be open to those things too. If you don't want to be reliant on, on Russian oil, 600,000 barrels a day, 
then you have to be open to solutions. You people on the left need to be open to, to drilling more, and you people on the right need to be open to science and new technologies. And stop always saying, maybe you don't say it out loud, but this is how you act. Stop with the, well, this is how we've always done it. I don't care. When you, when you are constantly that way, America has never been that way. America is never, this is how we've always done it. No, for America to be and to, to continue to be number one, we are never the country of, this is how we've always done it. That's a loser's mentality. That's what losers say. That's what status quo says. That's what bad leaders say. Well, this is how we've always done it. So there, we just we just solved one of the issues. Now, it only works if we stop bitching and we come together and and we 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 do this together. But if we don't do that, then we're just going to have the same stuff over and over again. But there's there's a, some simple solutions too. Wow, it it really does does make some common sense if if you think about it. More on Spotlight is next. This is the Trevor J. Brown Show. This is the Trevor J. Brown Show from Inherent Dream Production Company. Jensen Sales Plus makes buying and selling online easy. From Craigslist to Amazon, eBay to Etsy, they do it all. Check out their website for more information, jensensalesplus.com. That's jensensalesplus.com, JSP. Located in Princeton and a proud supporter of the Trevor J. Brown Show. Back here on the Trevor J. Brown Show. Let's get into the moron spotlight. The National Football League has suspended Atlanta Falcons wide receiver Kelvin Ridley for betting on games this past season, the league said, as the country's most popular sport grapples with the, uh, the legalization of sports betting in many areas. The NFL said Ridley, a second-team All-Pro in 2020, bet on NFL games during a five-day period in November of 2021. Ridley was away from the team and on the non-football illness list at the time. Ridley wrote on Twitter in October that he was taking time away for his mental health. Ridley's suspension is indefinite but runs at least through the conclusion of the upcoming season. Afterward, he may petition for reinstatement. The Falcons said in a statement they first became aware of the NFL's investigation in February and have cooperated fully and support the league's findings and actions. Ridley on Twitter appeared to acknowledge the allegation. He said, quote, I bet 1500 total. I don't have a gambling problem, apparently referring to the amount of money he wagered. Well, you still bet. And now you, uh, <laughs> you openly admitted it. Ridley's agent didn't respond to immediate requests for comment. In a letter to Ridley, Commissioner Roger Goodell indicated that the receiver had admitted to betting on the games. He said, for decades, gambling on NFL games has been considered among the most significant violation of league policy, warranting the most substantial sanction, Goodell wrote to Ridley, according to the league. In your case, I acknowledge and commend you for your promptly reporting for an interview and for admitting your actions so very talented receiver will be sitting for uh for the upcoming season uh we this this was a couple weeks ago before joy behar fell on the air but uh 
here's the headline. Joy Behar complains Russia-Ukraine war making her European vacation plans uncertain. It's a frustrating thing about wars. In addition to death, destruction, and displacement, there's also disruption to your European vacation plans. At least that's how Joy Behar of The View saw things last week. The show's panelists were discussing Russia's invasion of Ukraine when Behar said she feared yet another missed travel opportunity after two years of coronavirus. Estimates are 50,000 Ukrainians will be dead or wounded, co-host Sunny Hostin first told viewers, and that this is going to start a humanitarian crisis, a refugee crisis in Europe. We're talking about 5 million people that are going to be displaced. It's heartbreaking to hear what is going on. Behar then reacted to Hostin's remarks, quote, Well, I'm scared of what's going to happen in Western Europe too, Behar said. You know, you plan a trip, you want to go there, I want to go to Italy for four years, and I haven't been able to make it because of the pandemic. And now this, she said, referring to the Ukraine invasion, it's like, what's going to happen there? <laughs> These people are, are buffoons, absolute idiots. And when you're on Facebook or you're on Twitter or you're scrolling through, through Snapchat, when this war broke out, and, and it's sad that, that, I mean, I thought of it earlier when, b before Russia invaded Ukraine. But now I feel like after Russia invaded Ukraine and there's, there's this humanitarian crisis and people are being killed for no reason. And when you scroll through Snapchat and you see just how ugly and just how vain some of these people are online none of it matters you being an influencer doesn't matter and i get tired of the people that that come out and say well you're just upset because you're not making i don't care about the money i don't care about money if you have to sell your soul to make a little bit of money and and to to what you think is famous it it just it it hurts my brain because I, we talked about it with Isaac Jensen when he was on last. I, maybe we'll get to it with him next week too, but I don't quite understand if there are companies out there, there must be, that throw tons of money at 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old women to help promote a product when... I, I, are you Are you a celebrity? Are you famous? Do you ever go on Snapchat? I've, I've brought this up before. Do you ever go on Snapchat and see the clearly fake somebody writing to, to, to hot influencer girl? How do you get your teeth so white? First off, no one's asking you that question. You're endorsing a product that no one's heard of before, yet this company feels the need to send out money to them to endorse this product. So my question is, is this company that naive are they getting some response from from these social influencer bimbos online endorsing this product? Because it's clearly so fake. Nobody is writing these people. Nobody's asking these questions. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about you. But that's, in the last five years especially, I feel like that's what has become very popular. Anybody can gloat and anybody can promote their own brand. Because there's no way to check it. Everybody has a million followers. 
When I say you have a million followers, if I say I have a million listeners, how do you know? Oh, I don't have a million listeners. I'm sure there's certain things you could do and certain people you could check with if you wanted to. But when it, when a lot of these companies, they own their own stuff, They're, it's private. So they don't they don't need to, to come out and say anything to you. Well, this was the number one show on Netflix. Well, how many people watched it? Well, that's that information's not available. Well, because how many people actually watched it? Now, certain things on Netflix, sure, I'm sure thousands and hundreds and thousands and millions of people are watching. But you should scroll through on, on some of these things on Snapchat. It's like, nobody cares. Nobody cares. And I, I laugh so, so often. And, and I, I'm not trying to be sexist. I'm not. But most of the time, these people on Snapchat that are doing their influencer thing, they're like 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23-year-old females. And it's like somehow they now can give me life advice. Like they've lived some very tragic life and they have some tales to tell me about everything that they've gone through and they they want to be there for you. It's just such a crock of bullshit. And then, oh, by the way, I'm going to give you some life advice. Don't be too hard on yourself. By the way, how'd you get your teeth so white? Well, I got my teeth so white because I, uh, I use this product. And uh, blah, 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 blah. It's pathetic. It's absolutely pathetic. And all of that seems to me, I mean, it was vain before, but... Now it seems even more so when you have 2 million people that are displaced, that are fleeing Ukraine, that are being attacked for no reason. There's hundreds of deaths so far from innocent Ukrainians. There's a war going on. And and people think that being this influencer is, is important. Like you're like you're standing for something not standing for anything um let's see here another good one the u.s department of labor recovered thousands in tips for employees at a new hampshire restaurant where managers improperly took their own cuts from the employee tip pool the department's wage and hour division announced dos amigos burritos a restaurant in Concord, New Hampshire, wrongfully included managers in its employee tip pool, which led the federal agency to recover $61,788 in tips and liquidated damages for 39 workers. Uh, tipped workers in the food services industry rely on their hard-earned tips to make ends meet. Restaurant employees must understand that keeping workers' tips or diverting a portion of of these tips to managers or supervisors in a tip pool is illegal. That per Stephen McKinney, the division's district director in Manchester, New Hampshire. As of April 30th, 2021, the department ruled an employer cannot keep employees tips under any circumstances. Managers and supervisors also may not keep tips received by employees, including through tip pools. Last year, more than a dozen employees received $41,000 from the Department of Labor after a restaurant in Pittsburgh was caught misusing the tip pool, KDKA reported. Northside restaurants in Pittsburgh were forced to pay $41,500 
over tips illegally shared with managers, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette reported in December 2021. So, you know what sucks about that, too, is there's just another uh, prime example of people that make more money than you. You're you're a waiter or a waitress. You're relying on your tips. You're probably not even making minimum wage an hour. And your supervisor is taking your tips. What a joke. I have a couple of these stories to pass along. I'm not cel- and I, I bring these up not not to celebrate. Uh, that's a terrible thing to even have to say. I'll just read the story to you, but this was uh, from from the tail end of last year. But Marcus Lamb, the head of Christian Network Daystar, who had been a vocal opponent of the coronavirus vaccine, he died of COVID-19. The conservative Christian Daystar television network announced his death on Twitter, saying the network's founder went home to be with the Lord this morning. His wife, Joni, confirmed on the network his coronavirus diagnosis and that he had pre-existing conditions, including diabetes. He was 64, she said. Well, you know, hopefully he was a man of God and he, he got to heaven and he saw God. And my question then to you is, do you think God at one point just looked at him and said, What's the deal, dude? Like, welcome. I'm glad you're here, but could have prevented it. And then he could have come out and said, yeah, but, you know. And then God said, you know, I made the scientists to make the vaccine. So you didn't have to get sick and die. Is that such a controversial thing? Where does it say in the Bible, thou shall not poke my arm with a uh, with a needle to uh, to get a vaccine that scientists made that the scientists were made by God and I just I, I just don't get it another one anti-vaccine podcast uh, podcaster this was from January anti-vaccine podcaster Doug Kuzma a QAnon follower who contracted uh, contracted COVID-19 after attending a large right-wing gathering last month, he has died. Kuzma, 61, of Newport News, Virginia, became ill shortly after the three-day Reawaken America event in Dallas, which featured former Trump National Security Advisor and felon Michael Flynn. Few people wore masks at the event after several attendees became ill following the rally. Some claimed without evidence that they had been secretly poisoned with anthrax no you weren't poisoned with anthrax you were uh you just got covid it's as simple as that now with pre-existing conditions you could still get you could still get coronavirus even if you were even if you got the vaccine you could still get the coronavirus but what we've said from the very beginning you may still get sick but if you get the vaccine, you most likely would not have to go to the hospital. You most likely would not die. That's what I don't understand. Why do you have to take such a hard line on it? You take all these other vaccines throughout your life. Why are we drawing the line at this one? Drawing the line. Blah, blah. Why are we drawing the line on this one? Why, why did this have to be some big political thing? Why did we have to make it that way? You didn't have to die. You didn't have to. 
And especially for somebody, the first guy that had a pre-existing condition like diabetes, I'd be lining up right away. Look, I, I am fat. I don't have diabetes. I have diabetes in my family, but I'm immensely overweight. I got that vaccine as quick as I possibly could. And guess what? I'm still here. Well, the government's going to track you. You know what? If you have a cell phone on you right now, the government is tracking you right now. And you do that openly. Government doesn't make you have a cell phone. You went out, you bought a cell phone. You You bought a wireless plan. Dumbass. If the government cares about my Cheeto eating ass so much that they want to track my every move, go ahead. Go ahead and track my every move and everything that I'm doing. I don't give a rat's ass. You'll see me recording my show and you'll see me eating Cheetos and you'll see me blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, that's interesting. Come on. Why why did we have to draw the line at at the COVID-19 vaccine? We shouldn't have to be talking about even conspiracy theorists. Shouldn't have to be talking about them dying. But it's a little ironic to me. Like, again, I'm not celebrating their death. It's very sad. I'm sure they had family and friends and other nut jobs that believed that uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. was, or JFK, no, it was JFK. The, The QAnon people thought JFK was going to make an appearance in Dallas. That is true. They, they thought this, that JFK was just going to come back from the dead and that Elvis Presley, something with Elvis too. These people, it's like, how do they, how do they come up with this shit? You know, do they just take random things? What are those things called where, all right, I need a noun. Okay. And then you take the noun. It's like, okay, and now I need an adverb here and I need an adjective. I need another noun. Yeah. It's like, do they just put, put shit in a hat and then pull it out. And they're like, we will be in, Oh, Dallas. Okay. And in Dallas, JFK will make an appearance, which by the way, JFK would be like uh, over a hundred years old or at something at this point. It'd be, he'd be super old. He was shot dead in Dallas. Read a, read a book, read, read history, read a history book. Damn it. This is the Trevor J Brown show. You're listening to The Trevor J. Brown Show from Inherit Dream Production Company. The Trevor J. Brown Show is brought to you by In Good Hands Massage. Be sure to treat yourself to a massage and visit In Good Hands Massage in Malacca. In Good Hands specializes in all types of massage, including deep tissue, relaxation, hot stone, sports massage, and more. Book your appointment today or get your gift cards at facebook.com slash massage by Lindsay. A reminder that uh, tomorrow on Bonus Content Saturday, we're adding more tunes to our playlist, the 1,000 Songs by the Trevor J. Brown Show. You can follow along with our playlist on Spotify. So far, we have music from the Beatles and Dolly Parton and Bob Dylan, Patsy Cline, Aretha Franklin, Sam Cooke, Dr. Dre and Eminem, Four Tops, John Williams, The Supreme, Simon and Garfunkel, The Rolling Stones, and many more tomorrow. We're adding tunes from some classic country artists, including Marty Robbins, Hank Williams, and Jimmy Rogers. And then next week on the program, we're adding three more tunes, including songs from Ray Charles, Fats Domino, and the Isley Brothers. Tune in tomorrow for our bonus content Saturday exclusively on the Spotify app. So we're adding a couple more books 
to our book club. And so far, you're probably noticing a theme with the books that I've been recommending to you. So far, uh, we've uh, reviewed four books on the program, including two by Thomas Keneally, the Australian author. We talked about Schindler's List, which I said it's a must-read, especially for any World War II or history buff. The other Thomas Keneally book, Searching for Schindler, it's a perfect companion piece to Schindler's List. I gave that book four out of five. Then the other two, the uh, book from Lawrence Reese, Auschwitz, A New History, which is a, a comprehensive history on the factory of death. I gave that book four and a half out of five. And then from Thomas Bergenthal, A Lucky Child, an incredible autobiography of survival, despair, luck, and hope. Gave that four out of five. Well, we're sticking with World War II. We're sticking with the Holocaust. I read a lot about World War II. I read a lot about the Holocaust. I read a lot about concentration camps. I read other things, too. There's uh, I just finished two Beatles books, so I'll be giving you uh, some reviews on those as well. And, and there's some other books that uh, I'll, I'll talk about as well. But um, the first book that I want to talk about tonight um, is called Night by Ellie Weissel. And my brief review is this, four and a half out of five. It's an incredible memoir that makes you feel like you are by Ellie's side throughout this traumatic experience. Night is a 1960 memoir by uh, Ellie Weissel based on his Holocaust experiences with his father in the Nazi German concentration camps of Auschwitz and Buchenwald in 1944 and 1945, toward the end of the Second World War in Europe. What's really interesting about this book, it's just a little over 100 pages. It's not a long read, and it makes it very intimate, where that's why I feel like as you read it, it's, it's not a hard, I mean, it's a hard read in terms of subject matter, but in terms of how Weissel describes his experiences, he makes it very poignant to be relatable. In just over 100 pages of sparse and fragmented narrative, Weissel writes about the death of God and his own increasing disgust with humanity reflected in the inversion of the parent-child relationship as his father deteriorates to a helpless state and Weissel becomes his resentful teenage caregiver quote if i if only i could get rid of this dead weight immediately i felt ashamed of myself ashamed forever he says in night everything is inverted every value destroyed here there are no fathers no brothers no friends a capo tell a capo tells him everyone lives and dies for himself alone weissel was 16 when buchenwald was liberated by the U.S. Army in April 1945. Too late for his father, who died after beating, uh, after a beating while Weissel lay silently on the bunk above for fear of being beaten too. He moved to Paris after the war and in 1954 completed an 862-page manuscript about his experiences. It was published in Argentina as the 245 page and the world remained silent, the novelist Francois Muriac helped him find a French publisher, published 178 pages in 1958 and in 1960, 
Hill and Wang in New York published a 116-page translation as Night. It has been translated into 30 languages. The book ranks as one of the bedrocks of Holocaust literature. It remains unclear how much of Night is memoir. Weissel called it his uh, deposition, but scholars have had difficulty approaching it as an unvarnished account. The literary critic Ruth Franklin writes that the pruning of the text from Yiddish to French transformed an angry historical account into a work of art. I go back to um, the line that that the uh, the capo told him. These were people in charge of of um, blocks in concentration camps. There are no fathers. There is no brothers. There's no friends. Everybody lives and dies for himself alone. Think about that. I I don't even think that we can comprehend that. That people that you know and that you love, your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, your aunts, your uncles, your grandma, your grandpa, your cousins, your best friend. There is none of that in a concentration camp. It is... You and you alone. Because somebody, even that you may think is your mother or father or cousin or best friend or what have you, they need to survive too. People were brutal to each other in concentration camps. And uh, this book definitely shows it. With it being short, it's it's a it's a perfect read for younger people too. I feel like this should be text that is is must read material for uh, for kids in school because it's it's very powerful. But also, not to be negative on the subject, but it's also part of the the reason why I didn't give it quite a perfect score. I gave it four and a half out of five because I feel like there could have been more detail involved in the writing you get the gist of everything that's going on and that makes it feel intimate that makes it feel like you know ellie weissel and that you're there with him even though we our our mind and our brains and our bodies couldn't even begin to comprehend what what buchenwald or what auschwitz was really like or the things that he went through but this book at least gives us gives us a, a glimpse into what he went through but on the flip side of that, he's such a good writer, you at times almost want a little bit more and you want a little bit more detail. Um, Ellie Weissel is, is no longer with us, but I definitely recommend um, I definitely recommend the book. And uh, I got a copy from my mom who, who read the book, and the book wasn't in very good uh, condition. So I ended up ordering... Uh, a new copy of it and the new copy has uh, uh, kind of a tribute in there it's not very long but it's a a nice tribute from president barack obama for for uh, ellie weissel in there so again the book is called night it's written by ellie weissel and uh, you can get that out on uh, on amazon now we have one more that we're adding to the book club this evening that is next this is the trevor j brown show The Trevor J. Brown Show.
Did you know Inherent Dream Production Company is more than just the Trevor J. Brown Show? Inherent Dream is home to musical acts chairman of the board, TNV, Trevor J. Brown, and the Food and Song Compilation Series. Albums are available now at inherentdream.bandcamp.com or stream anywhere you get your music. Want to add one more to our book club tonight, a uh, big-time recommendation. And this is another World War II Holocaust book. It's called KL, A History of the Nazi Concentration Camps. It's written, and I'm probably going to mispronounce his last name, but first name Nicholas, last name Watchman. W-A-C-H-S-M-A-N-N. I'm rating this book a perfect five out of five. It's the most complete book on the Nazi concentration camp system that is out there. It's the most comprehensive one that you will find. It was released in 2015 by Birkbeck College professor Nicholas Watchman. The book is named after the SS abbreviation KL for concentration slogger, the German word for concentration camp. Another abbreviation KZ was used by prisoners and others informally and eclipsed the popularity of KL in German after the war. According to Harold Marcuse, the official Nazi abbreviation was guarded like a trademark by the system's uh, leader Heinrich Himmler, who did not want competing camps outside of his system. Watchman chose the original acronym to reveal the system as seen by its contemporaries, Marcuse writes. The book's uh, epigram is a quotation from the Sonderkommando prisoner Zalman Gradowski, May the world at least behold a drop, a fraction of this tragic world in which we lived. The book was described um, as, a, oh, according to Johanna Bork, Watchman's book is a significant contribution to our understanding of early 20th century history. She credits Watchman for being obsessed with precision and a stickler for dates and times. Thomas W. LaCour considers the book world-making history. The Guardian, the Guardian's uh, Nicholas Lazard described the book as a huge and necessary contribution to our understanding of this chilling subject. He describes the book as uh, intimate in that it gives the big picture while humanizing the story with anecdotes. According to a review by Keith Con Harris in The Independent, the book renders the unimaginable evil of the camps relatable. Uh, it won lots of awards for, uh, for writing. And there's so much history, there's so much insights into... This book, and there's a lot of history and insights and, and stats in a lot of books, but there's a point in this book where he actually kind of goes step by step as to when you arrive when you arrive here. I can't remember which camp he was talking about, but it was like here's sort of the process that you would have went through if you were to have arrived here, and just based on reading that alone and then some of the stats on, and I don't have the book in front of me, but it was something like not, not good where it's like, okay, well, even if you survived your, your, your train ride in a cattle car 
and made it to Auschwitz, you only had off of selection, like a one in four. I don't even think it was that, but it was it was a very low percentage to even survive. You could have been shot getting off the train. And then from there off uh, off of a selection, it was like one in four. The rest were killed. If you were under the age of 18, you were most likely selected to be killed. If you were a woman with a child, you were most likely selected to be killed. If you were over 50, you were most likely selected to be killed. So there was a very small range, a very small window of survival. Throughout the book, Watchman presents a generalization and then complicates the picture with counterexamples. The book is a work of synthetic history drawing mainly on published German sources, although it also incorporates the author's research. His approach is integrated history, which attempts to create a full picture of events by examining them from all perspectives and context. Watchman argues that there were no typical prisoners, capos, or guards. Watchman ends the book with a vignette about Moritz Czanowski, a Polish Jew liberated by the United States Army at Dachau. Czanowski had survived more than 2,000 days in concentration camps and wondered to another liberated prisoner, is this possible? This this would be a book, in my opinion, that would be uh, reading that that should be required. It's it's very it's a very hard reading though. I think this is more college level reading, probably not for for middle schoolers. Not not due to uh, the content. I feel they could handle the content, but there's a lot of. I mean, it's it's heavy hitting content, but there's also a lot of lingo that I I don't feel a teenager would necessarily understand. But if you are interested in reading about World War II and concentration camps and the history of them and how they came about, this book is a must own. It is a must own. It's called KL, A History of the Nazi Concentration Camps. It came out in 2015 and it's written by Nicholas Watchman. Again, that last name is W-A-C-H-S-M. A N N. So a couple more books go into our book club. Again, so far we have Schindler's List, Searching for Schindler, Auschwitz, A New History, A Lucky Child by Thomas Bergenthal, KL, A History of the Nazi Concentration Camps, and Night by Ellie Weissel. Again, Schindler's List by Thomas Keneally, also by Thomas Keneally, Searching for Schindler, Lawrence Reese, Auschwitz, A New History, Thomas Bergenthal and his book, A Lucky Child, which is an autobiography. The Nicholas Watchman book, KL, and Ellie Weissel with the book, Night. If you have any recommendations for books, feel free to send them over to me. I'd love to check them out, especially if they are uh, you know, World War II type books. I love that. But we also, um, I, I love reading about that because it's just, it's history that... Um, is, is incredible to me that it, it didn't happen that long ago and people were absolutely terrible to each other. And unless we continue to talk about it and bring it up and teach our children and teach our brothers and our sisters and teach strangers about it, unless we do that, 
then we forget about it. And when we forget about it, things like that happen over and over again. And we cannot have that again. We cannot repeat that again. We're back here tomorrow for bonus content Saturday. And next week, we believe we will be joined by author Ashley LaRue here on the podcast and also our good buddy Isaac Jensen here in studio. Tune in tomorrow for bonus content Saturday. We add more to our playlist, the 1,000 songs by the Trevor J. Brown Show with entries tomorrow from Jimmy Rogers, Marty Robbins, and Hank Williams. That's tomorrow. Have a great weekend and a great night. This has been the Trevor J. Brown Show. The opinions expressed on this show do not express the views of staff, management, or sponsors of Inherent Dream Production Company or streaming services where the show may be heard. The Trevor J. Brown Show is produced by Inherent Dream Production Company.